RP3 is ready to step his game up and pick up the mic for this edition of the Rap Game Podcast. Here is Raymond Parts III, a.k.a. RP3. Quinn Tarantino, one of the most accomplished filmmakers of the modern era. 34 Oscar nominations his films have received. Seven victories. He's known as a wordsmith. He's known as one of the best directors living today. But his last film, which was chock full of great performances and received so many awards, it was hard to keep up with. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is a bit polarizing for some, including yours truly. We're going to talk all things Quentin Tarantino, his filmography, as well as his latest, his ninth film, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, on this edition, this episode, the latest of the Rap Game Podcast. I'm Raymond Parsa III, and today, whoo, I'm joined by not one, but two. Not one, but two. Joining me on this discussion is Tarantino fan Film Geek himself, and Film Geek is a term of endearment on this podcast. I'm going to let you know right now. It's the producer of RP3 and Company, my good friend, the one and only Louis Prejean. Well, I was about to jump in and say Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is actually a great movie, and I completely disagree with you, but <laughs> we'll, we'll save it till later. <laughs> I know we'll get to that. And making his debut on any of the 1037 The Game podcast is... We lovingly refer to him on the weekday morning show as Troy the Intern. But Troy, won't you give the people out there listening who you are, what your actual name is, and how can they follow you on social media? All right. Well, um, he wasn't ready for this. Yeah, I know. So it's like, okay, so it's a podcast. for You're entertainment fine. purposes, <laughs> we're going to say that, yes, my name is Troy the Intern. My last name is kept secret for safety purposes uh, for everyone else's safety, not mine. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, but no, for real, my last, uh, my full name is Troy Wayne Brashear Jr. I'm a junior. Middle so, name. Yeah, oh, you get the middle name. Yeah, the middle name. Throw that in there. Sorry, sorry. I'm Raymond Anton Parch the third. <laughs> since we're doing middle names. <laughs> I'm Lewis Hot Take Machine Prejean. <laughs> <laughs> sorry sorry but sorry, yeah sorry. so i mean yeah you can follow me on facebook at troy brashear jr um there we go let's see twitter yeah twitter is kind of like the weird one again like, not, not to, ready for this yeah again, i know not so kind of like i wasn't ready to give out all my uh information like you want my social security too and my uh, uh those fun little numbers on the back of my debit card uh but yeah no you can follow me on twitter at troy b tv and uh Instagram. Uh, the Instagram, too. Yeah, Instagram. Oh, Instagram get, get, get in the there. gram out. Yeah. Instagram is just Troy Bashir Jr., same as Facebook. There we go. Okay, I was about to say, Ray's not on Instagram. I'm not on the gram. I am <laughs> not on the gram. It's like literally the only one that I use. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, so we're going to do a three-man weave here today with our discussion about Quentin Tarantino. And where this came from, the idea for this episode of the Rap Game Podcast was the fact that Lewis and I have continually discussed Once Upon a Time in Hollywood for the better part of a month and a half. 
No, it was maybe even while. longer. It was. It's been a while since we talked about it. It's almost every week, or maybe two times a week, where we talk about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and the discourse <laughs> between us about this movie. And it just it just naturally happens. We'll be talking about snack food, and somehow the conversation that we have gets to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And uh, all transparency here, I am a diehard Quentin Tarantino fan. I have all of his movies, and I will be buying Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I had okay. the steelbook to note. No, you, you do have the steelbook. Not that, the flex. Uh, that, no, not a flex at all. Love his work. Huge fan. I, I'm older than both of you. I remember when he debuted. I remember him writing the script for True Romance. I remember him writing the script for Natural Born Killers and then getting essentially fired from that project and only getting a story credit. And then he turned his version of what that was supposed to be into From Dust Till Dawn, his collaboration with his good friend, his bestie, Robert Rodriguez. I love Tarantino. I had numerous posters in my apartments, in my houses. That's before I got married, and then those things kind of go away. That's a issue. A discussion, not an issue. Sorry, in case the wife's listening. It is something to be discussed on another episode of the podcast. So I love Quentin. I love Tarantino's work. I am a fanboy. So are you. Oh, I wouldn't say diehard, but I am a fan. You are a fan, and Troy has already talked about has told us, Troy, you are also a fan here as well. So this is all coming from fans' point of views. Right, Troy? Are you a fan? Yeah, I'm a fan. Okay, good. Uh, there just we go. He's like the only director where, like, if he puts a movie out, I'm like, I'm watching this. That's right. Like, it's must see. Yeah, you got, it's, it's appointment viewing, as they say nowadays. So, but Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is a movie of his, and this is the first one of his, that I equally love and equally hate. And I'm conflicted about this because I cannot resolve this issue with Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. When I look at other of his films, some of them have some flaws. Some of them aren't the best. Okay? But this maddens me. I, I, I get I get viscerally angry about it. I'll start this. And by the way, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, then spoiler alert, we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about key plot points, and we're going to talk about Tarantino's filmography. So if you haven't seen Tarantino's work, you probably need to turn the bad boy off right now. Shut it off. Just shut it off. This is the only time we'll tell you not to listen to something. (laughs) Okay. The things I love about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I love the look of it. I do. You can tell... It's very much his love letter to uh, that era of Hollywood, 60s Hollywood. It, it, it's it's almost uh, his a, a fanboy love letter to a time that he wishes he probably could have been part of. And it, it, it feels that way. It feels there's a lot of love involved with his approach to filming it. On the same hand, I didn't think we needed constant shots of what the old neon looked like in Hollywood over and over again. It got beat over the head a little bit. I'm nitpicking, I know. I love that. I love DiCaprio's performance in it. It was nuanced. It was great. It was kind of pointing a finger, kind of kind of looking inside of himself there. He's done that before years ago with Woody Allen's Celebrity where he essentially played uh, uh, just a version of himself. This is deeper. This has far more layers. It's a great performance. He's also very vulnerable in it. I thought his performance in this was better than his performance in... The movie that he won the Academy Award for. I was about to say The Revenant. It's better. Yes. It's it's a better performance. It's one of his best. It's not quite Wolf of Wall Street great, which I think may be Leo's best performance. But 
It's a phenomenal performance. The scenes that he has with the young actress on the set of the TV show is, is some of the best work Leo's ever done. Love it. I absolutely adore Brad Pitt in this movie. He is the best thing about the movie, period. And anytime he's on screen, it's just it, it's just electric. It is what you expect from Tarantino movies. And I know a lot of people were upset by the movie because of the ending. I actually love the ending. It's this this is part of Tarantino's kind of revisionist revenge fantasies that he's done with Django Unchained and Inglorious Bastards as well. So he's playing around with historical facts. Once again, if you're going to a movie to get historical facts, if you're going to a, a Tarantino movie for historical accuracy, then it, you have you're not living your right life. You just didn't know what you're getting into. Right. So the ending, you will hear no debate from me and Ray about that. Right. I, I love I loved it. I loved I, it as well. I, I absolutely loved it. It was a perfect Tarantino type of uh, of ending. My biggest problem with the movie that it does not flow like a Tarantino movie should, and I'll, I'll, I'll this is this is my point. Until Pitt gets to the Manson Ranch, and he makes goes there. When when it gets to that point, it becomes a Tarantino movie. There's an energy about it. There's an intensity about it. And from that point forward, it never lags. There's nothing about it that is I can even be critical of. It's nearly perfect. But it takes us a while to get to that point. And it takes us a while because of Margot Robbie playing Sharon Tate. And this is my biggest beef with the movie. It's not needed. You didn't need Margot Robbie. You didn't even need the character of Sharon Tate. You have two immensely compelling characters that are fascinating to me DiCaprio's soon-to-be has-been actor Brad Pitt's salty and mysterious stuntman you have this and then you get a, a, a an actress of the caliber of Margot Robbie and you waste her and that's my most frustrating thing about this movie because he wastes a talent like Robbie and he's notorious for giving great Juicy roles to women, whether it's Uma Thurman in Pulp Fiction and Kill Bill Volumes 1 and 2, whether it was Pam Greer in Jackie Brown, whether it was any of the ensemble cast, even in Death Proof, for crying out loud, or Jennifer Jason Lee in Hateful Eight. He crafts interesting performances for actresses. And here, we get to see Margot Robbie essentially just stand there the entire movie. Any scene she's in, it wasn't needed. It felt Force, it felt that he was trying to push it into there where you have this great movie where you could still be a love letter to Hollywood Lewis without Sharon Tate even being part of it. Well, this is why I'm on the podcast because we need to discuss the Sharon Tate and Margot Robbie role because I am a Margot Robbie, Sharon Tate, Tarantino defender in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I totally see what Tarantino was trying to do, but the problem with my argument is that you can easily insert your argument into it. I think that what Tarantino was trying to do is tell the time of late 60s Hollywood. And so he included Sharon Tate into that because Sharon Tate was, you know, that was around the time of her murder, right? That, Correct. that was the year. And that was the time that he decided to do the dates and everything. Yeah, it's viewed as the time the 60s died is right. is, is when the, the Sharon Tate, the Manson murders, yes. So you get that, and he wanted to tell the time of that, of that era in Hollywood. So I get why Sharon Tate was in the movie and why he wanted to put Sharon Tate. So your problem with, Margot Robbie and that performance and what Tarantino decided to do is he didn't do enough for her, didn't give her enough 
shine in that movie and enough opportunity to shine in that movie. There's nothing. There's no. There, she has no dialogue. Essentially, there, there's nothing. There's it. It, it felt. Flat. It felt like an, a wasted opportunity. If you wanted to make Sharon Tate really be part of the story, which she's not, you think she's going to be, but she's really not, then give her something. Give Margot Robbie something to do. Have you seen I, Tanya? Have you seen the fact that she stole, completely stole Suicide Squad? Just completely stole that entire movie from everyone else. Uh, she nearly stole every scene she was in in Wolf of Wall Street. She's a very talented actress. Why aren't you giving her anything to do? And I could definitely see that. I could definitely see why you would want Margot Robbie to have more opportunity, have more dialogue, first off. Correct. Because her performance is good in this movie, despite no dialogue. You get to see her live her life. And that's what Tarantino wanted to do in this movie, is just have you watched Sharon Tate live her life without drama, without effort. He didn't want her to be seen as a victim. That's why you got the little twist ending. There, Which I love, and I love her scene. I love the scene at the movie theater where she doesn't have enough money to buy her own ticket. Right. Right? And I loved how she played that just kind of joyful and, and awkward at the same time. And I'm like, okay, great. And then nothing after that. And then it just goes away, and I'm just like, what? And then thankfully Pitt goes to the ranch, and all of a sudden the movie gets elevated up to another level. But you brought up an alternate ending that you think would fix this whole Margot Robbie, Sharon Tate thing. You said to not even have Margot Robbie in the role until it was a final like little cameo at the end. You could have her on nice billboards touch. and have her represent Sharon, you know, Sharon Tate and the fact that how, how big of a star and how people loved her and everything like that. You could have that. And then at the end, you could have her have some type of pissy dialogue at the end. Some type of thing at the end where it would be the big payoff and be like, oh, wow, they're Sharon Tate. And you, I like that idea. And you wouldn't view it as a waste of Margot Robbie because all of the promotion leading up into it, the posters, the trailers, didn't feature Margot Robbie and didn't feature that Sharon Tate would be in this. So it would be a nice surprise. But if you're going to promote it, if you're going to market it, like Margot Robbie's the third main character in the movie, which ultimately she is, but she's not used enough then that'd be okay if you featured her as a little cameo, nice little surprise, and that wouldn't be viewed as a waste for Margot Robbie. And I would also argue this. When I, I went back and looked, I watched the movie for a second time, and I still feel the same way that I do. The young girl that flirts and tries to have a relationship, she's one of the Manson clan of Brad Pitt. She gets more meat on the bones than Margot Robbie does. Bruce Dern in his little scene... Gets more meat on the bone. I mean, th that's what I didn't understand was, you know you could have done something. It, it, it could have been done. And another thing, it just takes a while for the movie to, to get there. Like, it just, it does. And you have that throwaway scene that I hated at the Playboy Mansion, which just felt completely like a huge misstep by Tarantino. Yeah, it's probably one of the it was weird. It only missteps in that movie. I don't know, Troy, Troy looks like he's ready to... Uh... All right, Troy, jump in. Pounce, what you got to say? Yeah, I was going to say, you know, you're talking about Margot Robbie's role in the film. Now, granted, I haven't seen it because I don't have any money to go to the movies. I haven't really been able to go to the movies lately. It's okay, I have broke. the DVD. Just yeah, I'm going I'm to borrow that DVD. But I remember whenever they were teasing the movie and there were, like, different things popping up here and there, I didn't know Margot Robbie was even in the movie until I saw Tarantino post something on his Instagram page and she's there. And first off, it still didn't even tell me she was in the movie. I'm like, well, why is she there? Why is she with Brad Pitt and Leo? But the big trailer like, leading up to the release, they featured her 
Right. So for like a while, I was like, wait, she's in this movie? Okay, okay, well, fine. You know, that kind of snuck up on me a little bit. I wasn't expecting that. I don't know, because they when they were teasing it before, it was just Leo and Brad Pitt. Like, you see right. a lot of pictures of those two guys. I'm like, okay, perfect. I didn't even know she was there. Okay, so great. Troy made my point for me. I, I feel great about this now. Thank you, Troy. No, uh, <laughs> this is really our only This is really our only debate, is the Margot Robbie performance. I'll, I'll defend it because I see what Dar- Tarantino was trying to do, and I hear his points about what he was trying to do. If and you took her out of the movie, does the movie suffer? I think it does, just a little bit. I don't think that ending is as impactful as you want it to be. I don't think it, I don't think the ending is as great if you don't have Margot Robbie all throughout the movie. Oh, and you know the thing? He wasted Emil Hirsch. Hmm. Good actor. Does nothing. You know what? I'll, I'll agree with you there. I love Emil Hirsch. And you love it when we agree. I do, I do. But I'll defend Once Upon a Time in Hollywood more. I'm more positive about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and I would even have it, you know, somewhere, maybe close to my top five of Tarantino movies. Oh, there we movies. go, there we but go. But before there we, we get go. to our, our top go. five, because I know we're going to do that, can we just talk about how cool Brad Pitt was? Brad so Pitt cool. is so cool. He's so like cool. He's so influential in that movie. And what what's great about Tarantino, what's great about this movie is – Tarantino's influenced by a lot, by a lot of things. He always references older works, and he's always pulling from inspiration. But for his movies to also influence at the same time, I think that's awesome about Tarantino. That's why I'm kind of a a fan of Tarantino. And the Brad Pitt performance is another influential moment, an influential character, as you know, troubling as Brad Pitt's character is, and wife killing as I, Brad Pitt is. I thought he was making Pitt to be Tex, part of the Manson family. And I was like, oh, is he really playing around with this? Is that is that what he's really doing here? But he is fascinating. The scene at the ranch should be carved up, cut up, and shown because his acting in that and how he dealt with the tension with the guys, uh, the people at the ranch, how he dealt with Bruce Dern, his little back and forth and everything – is just top notch. It's so good. It's just so good. And then the ending. It, then the ending. He's just phenomenal. He's so funny in he's it so, too. He's so funny. So funny. He's so cool. You leave the you leave the movie. Well, now you're not going to leave it because it's not going to be back in theaters. <laughs> but I left the movie theater and I was like, I want to be like Brad Pitt. You I don't. Left, I don't you left like, the Louis Prejean household. I don't want to like kill my wife or anything because that's a oh, spoiler alert. That's what he does. But. I don't want to do that, but I want to be as cool as Brad Pitt was in that movie where he's on the rooftop, he's 56 years old, and he's still in shape. I mean, that's inspiring in itself. Yes. But the fact, I mean, it's just so, I think his character is influential, but what gets lost in is DiCaprio's performance because of how cool Brad Pitt was. I know Brad Pitt won the Oscar, and DiCaprio was nominated for Best Actor, but DiCaprio's performance is actually really good and one of his top performances of his career. I would agree. I would put it in... Maybe top, and they have great chemistry together. Oh yeah, I mean, just they knew both of them are are such great pros. They knew how to play off each other, and Tarantino did that. He set it up for them to work together too. He set it up. The dialogue was great. He put them in scenes that were great together. And we'll go back to your point. You wish you would have done that for Margot Robbie, right? And you could tell that he Taylor made this movie for the two of them because he'd worked with both of them previously. Brad on Inglorious Bastards, and obviously Leo on Django Unchained, right? So I think, you know, when he put this together, he's like, I got to have these two guys together. He always has repeat characters and repeat actors in his movies. You, you love that. I mean, we had the Kurt Russell uh, 
We had the Kurt oh, Russell. Kurt, uh, Kurt Russell's become a, a yeah. He he's, he appears. Okay. He, he appears in uh, well, obviously his first time was Death Proof, and then he's appeared in in there since. And he loves doing that. And he loves using the same actors over and over again as well. Okay, so we look. We both love this movie. Yeah, we'll shake hands on it later. We both love this movie. I just take issue with it a little bit more than you do. Right, is what that's it, exactly the conclusion to this. You take more of an issue than I do. I think there's some missteps, like the Playboy Mansion scene. Absolutely not needed. Also, I'm not a fan of like long movies, but this one didn't feel as long. But if you have the opportunity to cut stuff, please cut things as an editor's view on this. Just please cut where, where you can. In the Playboy Mansion scene, I know you wanted to put Steve McQueen in it, or his character in it, but just you, you really don't. You honestly don't need that scene. All right, anyway, that, that's the only really <laughs> issue I have with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. All right, we love Tarantino. We've hashed it out. But now I want to see how we view his film works. Now, he's technically had ten films, but he only says he only has nine because he considers Kill Bill's Kill Bill Volume 1, Volume 2 to be one film because that's how he filmed it when they distributed it, Weinstein Company, Miramax, they decided to have to split it up because it would have been a five-hour movie. So Tarantino does whatever he wants. Yes. If he says Kill Bill is one movie, even though it's two, he'll, he'll say it's one. He'll say it's one. So he's done nine films, nine feature films. He says he's only going to do ten. We'll see about that. Will we finally get the elusive Vega Brothers movie that we've been it's been talked about for years? Mm. Or does he do another Elmore Leonard movie like he did with making Rum Punch into Jackie Brown? We'll see. He owns, he owns a lot of rights to a lot of properties, so whether or not he actually writes and directs something, we will have to find out. But He'll do a Marvel movie, for sure. That's his next one, an MCU movie. <laughs> I mean, he did do CSI, which was great. He did like a two-part episode. He did back Star in Trek, too, right? Yes. Yeah. He, he also played an Elvis impersonator on the Golden Girls. We're very close to an MCU movie. If he does an MCU movie, I want him to do Blade, and that's it. Like I want Quentin Tarantino to direct blade with uh, Mah- uh mahashal ali like that's nice. all i want that's nice. all i want oh there you go that's 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 what we have to get troy for christmas gotta write that down uh, i got i'm writing it down right okay now. so here if just to quickly recap we will give our top fives here myself louis prejean and the intern extraordinaire troy so here we go makes his th- these are films that he wrote and directed reservoir dogs pulp fiction Jackie Brown, Kill Bill Volume 1, Kill Bill Volume 2, Grindhouse, Death Proof, Inglorious Bastards, Django Unchained, The Hateful Eight, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So that's where we stand there. Now, there's also a love-hate relationship with The Hateful Eight that I want to briefly touch on. Oh, I didn't know this was coming. I thought it was flawed. I thought it had great moments. I love Samuel L. Jackson in it. Okay, and I love Je- Je- Jennifer Jason Lee, and I love Kurt Russell. I loved the actors that he put in there. You had you had a Reservoir Dogs reunion with Tim Roth and Matson being in it. There's a lot of stuff to really like about the Hateful Eight, and it's filmed in, Cine- in Cinescope. So you you have the widescreen, the way he filmed it. It's in the snow. It's it's bloody. It's it's all the things, but it just doesn't work. This is a super nerdy thing for you to bring up how it was filmed, too. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. It just, overall, I think it's a good film. Look, first of all, Tarantino hasn't made a bad movie. But in his canon, 
It's the weakest. For, for, for me, I, th- I think the Hateful Eight is the, is the weakest of the ones, even though it may be, with, with the exception of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, maybe the most beautiful to look at cinematography-wise. I don't know. There was just something missing about it. Great performances. I love. Uh, there's a lot of great scenes in the Hateful Eight. Most of them involving Samuel Jackson. I just didn't love it like I thought I would. I didn't watch it, so <laughs> I I was out on it bef- before I watched it. I recognize, but uh, I don't know, Troy. Have you seen Hateful Eight? I fell asleep within like the first twenty minutes. There we go. So it was just because it was just it was it was like it was slow. It was just really slow. It is it it is it is slow paced. But there are some really good things. Kurt Russell's really good. His interaction with Jennifer Jason Lee. Give me a give me. Is that the reason I should watch the Hateful Eight? Give me a reason I should watch it. Because of Tarantino. Samuel Jackson's performance is really good in it. Like really good in it. And then Kurt Russell and Jennifer Jason Lee. Okay. So, yeah, if you're a Tarantino fan, you should watch it. And Troy, um, uh, Troy's just too busy. He's got school full-time, and so he's he's obviously not getting Even when sleep. he tried to watch it, he, he only got asleep. 20 minutes and fell asleep. So I there, relate to you, Troy. So there you go. So we're not going to be worried about Hateful Eight being anywhere in our top fives. I just wanted to mention that as well. And also, Death Proof. Yeah. I loved Grindhouse mm-hmm. for, what it's, for, what it's, for what it is. Tarantino and Rodriguez decide to come together and make an old Grindhouse movies. And for the younger people out there, they used to show them at your local drive-in theaters. It were poorly produced, low-budget TNA films, horror films, and action films with ridiculous plot lines and just absolutely nonsense. One of the best parts about Grindhouse was that Tarantino did his movie, which was Death Proof, about a stunt a stuntman who enjoys... Enjoys murdering girls, played by Kurt Russell. Spoiler. The other one was Planet Terror, which was a zombie flick directed by Rodriguez, completely over the top. Fergie makes an appearance. Okay, Josh Brolin is in there. Bruce Willis is in there as a as a crazy person. It's completely over the top. There's barbecue involved. It's but it is what it is. It's great for what it is. They wanted it was an homage to. The Grindhouse movies that both of them loved growing up watching and were inspired by. The commercials, though, the fake trailers. Werewolf Women of the SS, which is a fake trailer. When you watch the original Grindhouse, if you find it on in the Blu-ray packaging, they still have the original commercials. They made up fake movie trailers. And one of them was Werewolf Women of the SS, which was directed by Rob Zombie. And had like Nicolas Cage's Fu Manchu for no good reason. That's so fun. Just it, so fun. It, it, it's it's completely fun. Uh, Edgar Wright did one as well. So they reached out. Eli Roth did one. So it, they had their friends and guys that they really enjoyed yeah. do it. So it, it it fails compared to the rest of the canon of Tarantino. But it's a film nerd's kind of dream of watching two film nerds get to put together their homage to Grindhouse Cinema. So it's worth watching. Essentially what we're doing right now. <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. Okay, so let's get to it. Top five Quentin Tarantino movies. Your top five favorite. We don't, we don't want to say best because yeah, I, I hate using yeah, that. I, I do too. Yeah, it, it, It's your favorite. So, Troy, I'm going to let you go first, my man. You look at him. He's over there. He's grabbing the microphone. He's, he's chopping up stuff. He's on his phone. 
he's on the gram, he's sliding right or sliding left. I don't know what they do on that. Is that is that the same? Is that the social on media? The gram? No, not on the gram. I mean, you can, you but that's not swipe. the the purpose of it. I, I think you're thinking. No, it's of, not uh, Tinder. There yeah, we go, yeah, Tinder. Yeah, sorry, there we go. Sorry. I'm glad you're up on the times. <laughs> All right, Troy, you're first. Give us your top five. Starting five, going up to one. All right, starting five. Oh, I, I had planned to go one, so now I'm a little thrown off right now. Okay, so five. You're just throwing him off this entire podcast. It's, no, it's, it's all good. The it's entire not. podcast is me throwing off Troy, and he's regretting even staying to the process. He didn't, to, it's to not, it's he didn't not, know his, like, handles to give out. Yeah, right. I was like, media. oh, God, I got to talk about my social media. Troy, we'll come back to you. How about that? We'll give you time to reset. Just, yeah, one second. Jeez, one all right, second. let give me, me go. Second. Give me one second. All right, Prejean, go. All right, Pulp Fiction. <laughs> uh, I have Inglorious at number five. You have you have Inglorious Bastards yeah. at number five. I have Kill Bill Volume One at four. Reservoir Dogs at three. I have Hollywood at two. To raise surprise, he'll he'll yell at me off the podcast about that. <laughs> and Pulp Fiction at one because there's no other right answer for number one. So your top five, Louis Prejean's top five Quentin Tarantino movies of all time. His favorite number one is Pulp Fiction. Number two is once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Number three is Reservoir Dogs, the one that started it all. Yes. Number four is Kill Bill, Volume 1. You're actually splitting those instead of... I'm splitting them. Sorry. But they were released at different times. Different years. They are different movies. So that means that Tarantino's a liar because he says it's the ninth film by Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, I'll say it right here, right now. No. Tarantino, oh, if you're are listening. You listening. Yeah, yeah, Tarantino, if you're listening. <laughs> put, and me, the, put me in a movie. And then Inglorious <laughs> Bastards at five. All right. All right. Troy's, All right, Troy. Troy's ready. Now you're ready, ready. brother. All right. So at five, I have Kill Bill Volume One. Okay. Four, I have Django. Nice. Three, Reservoir Dogs. Now this is going to be a little bit de- de- debatable. Now there is an objective best, but my number one, actually, my personal favorite is Inglorious Bastards, and I'm putting Pulp Fiction at two. I loved Pulp Fiction. Nice. Don't get me wrong. But uh, oh. I guess in the matter of how much I sat there and enjoyed it was Inglorious Bastards. Like Pulp Fiction was good, but I had to watch like three times to finally understand it. And I was like, okay, yeah, I like this. This is good. But Inglorious Bastards, I was hooked from minute zero to however I don't remember how long it is, but to the end, I was hooked. Another great Brad Pitt performance, by the way. yes, in, in that one. Uh, Nancy Scalps. I feel, the I Tennessee feeling, accent is phenomenally bad and done so on purpose, and I love it. I have a feeling Ray's going where Troy's going, but I haven't looked at his list yet. So, Ray, this is your time. Okay. Number five for me is Reservoir Dogs. It still holds up. Harvey Keitel, Madsen, Buscemi. It's just phenomenal. It's low rent. It, you can tell he was on a budget, but damn, he did such a phenomenal job with that. Uh, and, and, he, and you can tell that even the, the Scorsese – references and the influence especially in the title sequence which is something he directly pulled from Scorsese's done for years but it still holds up I just watched it recently about two months ago love Reservoir Dogs that's number five number four Django Unchained I absolutely love Django I love Leonardo DiCaprio in that I love Samuel Jackson and Jamie Foxx is absolutely phenomenal. And, and Christoph Waltz won the Oscar for Best Supporting Actor, playing the German Dennis. No, he won. He, no, he, I'm sorry, he won it for Inglorious Bastards. He was nominated for Django. I, I say I'm corrected. Jeez, get it together, right? I know. Well, also, fun fact, we talked about this yesterday. Will Smith, almost the Jamie Foxx role. Ooh, I'm glad he didn't. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad he didn't. It, 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 Jamie was just the right guy for that. It can be tough to watch. I know some people are like, Hey, you know, there's a lot of violence and it deals with slavery. Well, yeah, but it does that. 
Tarantino's making you do that, but it's also one of his revenge fantasies. And the payoff is sensational at the end, how everything goes down. The last madcap half hour of the movie is on another level. And I just thought it's one of my favorites. And as time goes by, it may it may even get higher on this list. Say real quick, you know, about what you just said, people need to realize, and it's Tarantino. You know what to expect from Tarantino at this point. By the time Django came out, you shouldn't be surprised as Correct. to what it is. You know who he is. He knows who he is. There was an interview where he got mad at the interviewers like, why do I have to explain this? I've explained why my my movies are so violent like so many times before. Why do I have to keep explaining it? So, And it was that. three years after Inglorious Bastards. So he already gave you the revenge fantasy with historical context before. It's, it's not hard. He didn't do another movie in between. So Django is number four on my list. I, I went with what Quinn would prefer. Oh, shout out QT is Kill Bill volumes one and two. They're wildly different movies. They're wildly different movies. The tempo is completely different from one to two. Two is more even a more dramatic piece. There's very much somber tones. The interaction with Uma Thurman and Bill is some of the best acting she's ever done. The the when when she realizes that her child is still alive, and he's using that as a pawn in the conversation. It is, it's. It was his comeback as well, too, and I always view that as that because he'd went away, he went into semi-retirement for a while after Jackie Brown was not well-received, and then he comes back with Kill Bill Volume 1 and 2. Strong. It is extremely strong, and it still holds up now even uh, more than 15 years later. Uh, Kill Bill Volumes 1 and 2 is number three for me, and I debated this. I almost put Pulp Fiction at two. And Inglorious Bastards at one. I almost did it, but I go with Inglorious Bastards at two and Pulp Fiction at one. And it, it was difficult. Inglorious Bastards is perfect. I mean, he's he's really made two perfect movies that I I find no flaws in whatsoever. Do you want to do like thirty seconds on the opening scene about how much you love it oh, and how it's, it's like so pretty good. much the perfect scene? It, it's he is so disciplined in that it, he takes the time out to set the stage, and he lets Kristoff, who, by the way, is, ta- is speaking in two different languages here, mm-hmm. go back and forth, back and forth, and he just keeps ratcheting up the tension, tension, tension. You know the family is underneath the floorboard. You know they're there. Oh, are they going to get away? Is this going to happen? Is is he going to figure it out? And then he breaks down the poor Frenchman milk farmer, uh, the, 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 the farmer, and breaks it down, and it's so subtle, and the way it's lit, it is perfect whatsoever. And even when he walks out and he sees her running away, he just yells at her with a smirk on his face. Has there been a better villain performance in cinema the last 20 years than that? Maybe Thanos, but outside of that, I really don't know. You can't keep your— That's a joke, Troy. Don't give me that look. You can't take take your eyes off of him, and then you get Brad Pitt. And with with that accent— and you get Michael Fassbender in it, and Michael Myers makes an appearance in this movie. It is just great. Uh, the 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 Jew Bear, who kills everyone with the baseball bat. Everything about it is it's overly violent, so violent, so violent. But so I glorious, love every minute of glorious it. Glorious is one for you. I wanted to make it one. Oh, you want, but you didn't do it. I went so because went because I have mm. because when I watched Pulp Fiction in the theater, by the way. Wow. 1994, after it got the Oscar nominations, and they pushed it back out and made it wide release. It changed me. Like, I'd never seen anything like that before. 
I'd never seen anything. Watching Pulp Fiction made me want to go, and it made me want to get to the point where I I tracked down other filmmakers and what Tarantino's influences were. I wanted to go and educate myself on that. And, I mean, so Pulp Fiction's one. So for me, number one's Pulp Fiction. Two is Inglorious Bastards. Three is Kill Bill Volumes 1 and 2. Four is Django Unchanged. And five is Reservoir Dogs. And Jackie Brown nearly made the list. Nearly made the list. Probably underappreciated. Probably underappreciated. It's wildly underappreciated. Tarantino. So that's our top five, man. That's our top five. So I feel like we learned a lot about each other because <laughs> neither of you had Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Ray put six movies in his top five. So <laughs> I'm really, really glad he did that. Uh, okay. Do we, are we going to close things out with a little trivia? Yes, we Shall are. Shall we do? Quickly, we'll I, I do some trivia here. I have a quiz. I, I pulled up a quiz. Um, okay, I'm not going to look. I'm going to turn. I'm going to turn around. A Tarantino quiz, which is probably incredibly easy for, I mean, Troy and Ray. It was probably really well, easy. I say you'll probably be surprised because I think the last uh, time, the last Tarantino movie I saw was Pulp Fiction for the third time, which was like two, three years ago, actually. So maybe I should just ask Ray. That. I'll, I'll, I, I I'll try. I'll, I'll, I'll give it a shot. Okay, I'll give it a okay. shot. I'll give it a shot. Okay, so here we go. Are you okay. ready, Ray? I'm ready. I lock in here. I'm All locking. Right. I'm locked. All right, question one. Which of these Quentin Tarantino movies is about several thieves whose planned heist goes terribly wrong? Reservoir Dogs. Reservoir, yeah. Okay, yeah, you you guys are correct. Uh, also, we got to note that this quiz might be incredibly too easy. <laughs> I know I said it, but here we go. Okay. Question number two. In the film Pulp Fiction, which of these characters accidentally overdoses and is revived by an adrenaline shot to the heart? Uh, what's her name? That's Marcellus' wife. Yeah. Uh, did, she have a, did she have a name? We got Honey Bunny, Wallace, Winston Wolf, and Butch Coolidge. It's, it's Mia Wallace. Mia played Wallace. Played by Uma Thurman. Okay, yes. There you go. Hey, Uma Thurman, shout out. Shout out to Eric Stoltz for being in the scene as well, being the drug dealer. Oh, and uh, Rosanna Arquette. There you go. In the film Pulp Fiction, we're back here. Marcellus, it's his only movie, by the way. It's Tarantino's <laughs> only movie, according to this quiz. In the film Pulp Fiction, Marcellus chases Butch into what? Where the, where Pawn they, shop. Okay. Pawn shop. There you go. I didn't even need to give you Ran by a Nazi who likes raping people. Hey. Troy, how yeah. about you step it up over there? Oh right? man, because yeah. he we he didn't even need the option. I was to say, is this even a speed? Is it a speed game? Or so I get excited <laughs> talking Quentin Tarantino. Are we notice. both? As soon as we lock in our answer, then you tell us. Well, we don't have buzzers. Uh, that's true. So. Yeah. All right, here we go. Death proof question. I don't oh, know if see, any of us are ready for I've this. I've never actually I've never seen Death Proof, so I'm gonna just sit out on this. I, actually, I'll take a guess. I'll take a guess. Yeah. Um, unless Ray gets it. Um, All right. Yeah, unless Ray Quentin gets Tarantino's it. Death Proof movie was released in twenty in 2007 as a double feature film with Robert. Uh, Rodriguez's Planet Terror as part of which joint title? Grindhouse. Yeah, Grindhouse. There you go. So there you go. I mean, we we knew that one. I was going to guess Avengers Endgame. Endgame. Colon Endgame. <laughs> Wait, what would it be? Inserting Thanos into the conversation. <laughs> Death Proof Endgame. We're back to Pulp Fiction for some reason. In the film Pulp Fiction, a fleeing Butch Coolidge returns to his apartment to retrieve what object he forgot to pack? His father's watch. Oh, oh, the yeah. gold watch. That's correct. I was going to say the Pop-Tarts. That his father famously <laughs> inserted into his body uh, mm. while he was a prisoner of war, as Christopher Walken recants his character does in the movie. Oh, there you go. Which movie was written by Quentin Tarantino is about murdering a couple who are res- irresponsibly glorified by the mass media? Natural Born Killers. Natural Born Killers. There you go. Yeah, Directed by Oliver Stone. Oh. Great movie, too. It's hard to watch sometimes, but it is Oliver Stone in all of his absolute bonkers craziness. Well, we haven't even touched on True Romance. I don't even know if that quiz will get to it. Written by Quentin Tarantino. Yes, directed by the late, great Tony Scott. There you go. For Brother which of Ridley. 
For which of these films did Quentin Tarantino win a Best Writing slash Screenplay Oscar? Pulp Fiction. Right, here we go, Troy. Do you have a guess? Uh, Pulp Fiction, Jackie Brown, Reservoir Dogs, Kill Bill, Volume One. I'm going with Reservoir Dogs. I'm a, I'm be a little different right now. Probably wrong, but yeah, you're 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 right about being wrong. It's yeah. Pulp Fiction. <laughs> Shout out, Ray, dude. What do you like? He lost he lost the Best Director Oscar, and they lost Best Picture that year to Forrest Gump. By the way, at the Oscars. That's a that has not aged well at all. Paul, where Forrest Gump, really quick before. We have a couple more questions. I loved it when I watched it, and it made me tear up when I saw it in the theater, but it has not aged well. No, it hasn't. All right, question eight. And then everyone afterwards, anytime they played someone that was mentally handicapped, they made sure to make him sound like Forrest Gump. No, sure. I think the best, the like, best movie about a mentally handicapped person was Rain Man, hands down. I love Rain Man. Nice. Yeah, so. Really, you know, go with that. Forrest Gump truly influential in that way, I guess, right? I, oh, I, so many actors yeah. did the same approach, and you just were like, oh, stop. Continue. Sorry. Forrest Gump, not age well. Which of these Quentin Tarantino movies is about a collection of several stories about criminals in Los Angeles, a prize fighter, and a mob contract killer? Pulp, Pulp Fiction. Fiction. Pulp Fiction. Wait, what the, this quiz loves Pulp Fiction. Yeah, no. It's pain. like it looked at me and Ray's list <laughs> and then ignored Troy's. It's like, take that, Troy. Troy, I respect your list, though. Oh, thank I you. don't respect Ray's. You had six. Wow. <laughs> Six in your top five. In Quentin Tarantino's movie, uh, Inglorious Bastards, Rain, Omar, and Donnie tried to pose as what in order to attend a premiere? It was Italians. Oh, it was Italian. See, I didn't, honestly, I didn't catch it. I know they posed as like, when they posed as like soldiers, Italian. they were soldiers, right? Or no? Am I thinking of a different scene? No, they were that. escorting her. They were supposed to be Italian, uh, Italian film crew. Oh, film crew. Okay. Okay, so there are 15 questions, but I'm going to stop it at 10 because I can't take any more <laughs> Pulp Fiction ones. No, you're going to go all the way through. You're going to you all the way through. What was, the, all what was the scripture that uh, Samuel Jackson quoted? This is incredible by Troy. In the Pulp Fiction movie, The Path of the Righteous Man quote by Jules Winfield is inspired credit to which biblical book? Oh, really? And literally the question. Nice. Troy, it's like you're looking at my computer. Ezekiel. Ezekiel. There you go. By the way, that Bible verse does not exist. Oh. Interesting. Tarantino made it up. Nice. Oh, so Tarantino can just do whatever he wants? Yeah. I mean, he made Bruce Lee look like a jerk. He can do whatever he wants. That's true. That is true. Oh, is that? I'm not even going to get into that. That was a dream sequence by Brad Pitt on the rooftop. Which of these actors makes a brief cameo in Pulp Fiction? Pulp Fiction question. Incredible. (laughs) Dressed as a Buddy Holly lookalike waiter in 1950s themed restaurant. Steve Buscemi. Jeez. Oh, I see. Buscemi? 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 I don't know. I've heard people say Buscemi. Hmm. It said, it said both ways. Al Pacino. <laughs> Buscemi. Buscemi. Uh, uh, bravo. Bravo. All right. We have a hateful eight question. Yeah, we should skip this one. No. In, in, Quint- <laughs> in Quentin Tarantino's movie, The Hateful Eight, what appears to be poisoned at the stagecoach lodge? Do you need the options, Ray? Uh, I believe it was supposed to be coffee. Okay. He's going coffee. Troy, I'm going to give you the options. Yeah. Apples, soup, water, and coffee. Was this in the first 20 minutes of the movie? No, because the poisoning doesn't happen until about halfway through the movie. So, yeah, I was asleep. Um, you know what? Take a guess. I'm going to just, again, I'm going to just be different. I'm going to guess soup. Soup. Wrong. Coffee. Okay. All right. Big Wait, 12 for 12 at this point? You're just pounding your pen like it doesn't even matter. I'm to just you. I'm just here like uh, um, you know the, I have a participation ribbon basically you know. Yeah, you, you're here to promote your social media accounts. P- pretty much, everybody follow that. me. Follow Troy on the gram. Continue. Troy at, at Troy BTV and Quentin Tarantino's movie Jackie Brown. Where does a major money bag swap take place? Oh, the airport. Hmm. Yeah. Ooh. 
That's no. not one of the options. We're, give me my options. Phone booth, golf club, post office, dressing room. Ooh. I haven't seen the movie. I'm going to guess dressing room. Ooh. Dressing room. This is tough. Because I haven't it's seen Jackie Brown. Seen so. I know the answer, so I'm not going to. Troy, Troy, cue up the uh, Jeopardy theme. Phone booth. Okay. Phone, so phone, phone, phone booth. Final answer. That's wrong. Dressing room. Ha ha! I guess it. I'm. One, there you go. My first I missed one. one. So I Troy's failed. Troy's one of thirteen right now, and you are thirteen of. You know, twelve of thirteen. Twelve yeah. of thirteen. For which of these films did Quentin Tarantino win a best original slash screen uh, original screenplay Oscar? Inglorious, Django Unchained, Kill Bill Volume Two, The Hateful Eight. Inglorious. Wrong. Really? Wait. Yeah. Django. Right. Ha ha. Guess. Really? Yeah, Django. I know. So that's what I get for not paying attention go- to the Oscars I'm, as much as I used to. I should Ooh. check the validity of this quiz. Ooh, yeah. He was up for <laughs> best original screenplay for Inglorious, though I do believe. I we'll have, have to, to check. look it up. I have to look. He should be. Uh, yeah, I'm about to say not. if he's not, that's just the. Oh wow! Horrible. He won for Django. Okay, I'll continue. The official poster slash cover for the film. Guess what it is? Pulp Fiction mimics a pulp novel slash magazine that cost how much as displayed on this poster? As the price on it, how much was it? I'm gonna take a guess. I'll go, being that it's like you know older, I'd say like, I'm going like, a maybe like a dollar twenty five or like seventy. I'm gonna go seventy five cents. Do you want the? Do you want the options? Yes, well, let's hear the options. Okay, I could be completely off. It could be like a hundred dollars, <laughs> and I said seventy five cents. You said, I mean, it's way. I mean, what you said was over for the options. So oh. I just wanted to give you the option: thirty five cents, twenty five cents, ten cents, and fifty cents. I'm going 35 cents. I'm going to go 25. And 10 cents is oh, the answer. Oh, we're both wrong. Wow, and dang. that's how we'll end wow, there we go. the Tarantino quiz. Mm. Oh, there. And, and, and Ironically, that's how we're going to – not ironically. That's – that's feel on me on that part. That's how we're also going to wrap up this episode of the Rap Game Podcast. I want to thank Troy, the intern extraordinaire, for jumping on here. I want to thank, of course, Louis Prejean. We put our differences aside about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. We can both say we love the movie. You just love it a little bit more than I do. Yeah, that's true. That's okay. And I love Django Unchained more than you do. There you go. I mean, so, we'll, we'll, we di- go. We'll, we'll differ, of course. Of course, that's what happens. But I just wanted to say thank you to Ray for babysitting on this uh, episode <laughs> of your podcast. Truly <laughs> incredible stuff. Uh, until next time, y'all be safe out there. Be kind to one another. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rap Game Podcast. We'll drop another one in a week from now. Talk to you then.